This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. I take what I do really seriously. I take really good care of like what goes into those cocktails and we obsess over the cocktails, but I don't take myself very seriously. I don't take uh, what we put down on paper very seriously because drinking should be fun and it's like supposed to be an escape and it's supposed to, you're supposed to smile when you do it. This is The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. I'm Lindsay Christians, Cap Times food editor. And I'm Chris Lay. We have been recording this podcast together for almost a year, but Lindsay and I hadn't seen each other in person in over five months uh, when we met up recently to do research for this episode. Uh, It was truly and sincerely refreshing in the best sense of the word. I had been out doing my own research on some of Madison's new downtown patios when I ran into Tom Dufek, who owns the new Youngblood Beer Company and Plainspoke Cocktail Bar on King Street. I am fully on the record as not being the biggest lover of beer, with the exception of some sours and stouts, so I'm really glad Chris could come down and take some for the team. And I was very happy to do it. (laughs) Uh, Youngblood specializes in IPAs, specifically the hazy kind. And they're into goofy names like Bill Brasky's Ice Cream Truck, one of the best beers we had when we were out there. And she's a tornado with pigtails. They have a beer called I Hate Craft Beer that tastes like hams on purpose. <laughs> I want to check out the fruited Berliner Weiss they just put on that's named after a Doobie Brother. I didn't get all the references, you guys. Anyway, give a listen. Enjoy! Welcome, Tom. Hey, how's it going? Good to be here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Chris is uh, drinking one of your wonderful products, but can you just really quick give us an introduction to uh, who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, So my name is Tom Dufek, and I am uh, one of the founders of Plainspoke Cocktail Company and Youngblood Beer Company, which are two, uh, essentially a a distillery and a brewery um, in the downtown area. When did those open? Uh, Plainspoke opened about two years ago, and then we opened a tasting room in June of this year. So we were just um, just production only until this June, and then Youngblood opened uh, May of this year. So we we opened two tap rooms uh, in the middle of all of this, <laughs> uh, just in the last two months. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of beer you're making specifically at Youngblood? Yeah, for sure. So. Um, we tend to focus on IPAs, saisons, uh, and lagers. That's kind of our, our focus. We do make a you know a smattering of, of everything. Um, but Kyle, who's our brewer, he was the head brewer at Door County and Hacienda for the last couple of years before coming down to Madison. Um, that's really what he likes to drink, what he likes to make. You know, he really, really tries to look at those things through a classical lens, but then take modern interpretations to it. So, you know, we have like a Hefeweizen that's on right now that is a very, very classic German style Hefeweizen. But then we hit it with berry hibiscus tea to just kind of complement some of the flavors that were already there. So, you know, staying true to the classic styles while while looking at it in a different way. Yeah. Um, you've been working on on this space for like a couple of years now, it seems, right? Year and a half. 
Yeah. Um, like at what point in, in the phase of, I guess this year did you realize that your schedule of opening was going to have to be completely thrown out and like, you know, re reconfigured. Yeah. We, we, you know, we were, we're, um, students of the world. Right. So we, you know, we saw what was happening overseas and we saw what was happening in China and Europe and we didn't really have any idea how bad things were going to get, but we knew that things were going to be impacted. I mean, for a while there was a hope that, um, March and April were going to be bad. And then, we would be able to open in May and June and things would be okay. And, uh, you know, by the time April came around, we were like, nope, that's, that's, that's not happening. So it's really been a constant revision of the business plan of our operations really since March. Um, it's weird because we hired like all of our managers in late February uh, to middle of March. So the two people's first day was the day after all the bars and restaurants shut down. So it was like that, that day after uh, St. Patrick's day or that, that weekend and um, or, or before whenever it was, I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was just like, and we're all from bars and restaurants. So like all of our friends, family members. And I remember sitting there with, with two of them when we were just like, well, welcome to your first day. <laughs> we have no clue what's going to happen now, but then, yeah, it's just been a constant state of revision really since then. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely seems like, like the, the goal line for everything has been moving. I remember back in, you know, March, uh, it definitely felt like, oh, this might be like a couple of weeks or just a couple of months. And then, uh, no, now we're, you know, thinking like January, February, it might be a whole, you know, year of messiness. And yeah. we have people tell us, um, when are you guys planning an opening? We're like, oh, we're planning an opening in middle of May. And they're like, oh, that'll be perfect timing for this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's really optimistic and hopefully, but yeah, it's um, it's been wild how, how much things change and how quickly things change. I mean, it really makes it difficult to plan, but you know, it's, I don't want to say it is what it is. I feel like it's a weird phrase to use these days, but um, you know, yeah. Kind of have to adjust, and you have to adapt, and there's really nothing you can do about it other than than really just try and keep everybody as safe as possible. Yeah. So one of the things that Chris was observing is that uh, Young Blood, the brewery in particular, it it feels bigger inside than it looks from the outside. Sure. Like it's very expansive, and I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the design, the inspirations, the the intended impression you wanted to give folks and also maybe tell us a little bit about all the plants. <laughs> yeah, totally. it was funny. We, uh, we were talking to the general contractor as we were, you know, designing the thing and they said, now do you want live plants or do you want fake plants? I mean, you gotta have some fake plants in there, right? Cause you just can't keep all these things alive. <laughs> and I was like, well, we have a plant guy, you know, he, he knows how to keep plants alive. So they're all going to be live. And they were just kind of weird out, but, <laughs> but, um, kind of a plant guy. Yeah, we did. We, have, thank God. Um, we the design was done a lot by uh, Charles Barrows. So he does a lot of graphic design. Used to work for Art and Sons. He's on his own now, and um, he really like just it, we what we wanted to do. I mean, the building is an old building. It's in the first settlement district, so it's in one of the oldest parts of the city, and 
really what we wanted to do was kind of take take it back to the bones of what it is. So if you walk in and see, you know, there's these limestone walls that have kind of been revealed. The floor is the original flooring that we basically just ripped all of the old stuff off and kind of buffed it and left it as is. Um, but what Charles really tried to channel was, you know, this uh, this feeling of, of being inspired by ruined bars. Ruined bars are um, these bars out in um, Hungary um, that basically they just kind of worked with what they had. It was just ruins. They put up a bar and they become really, really popular in that part of the world. And it was a design aesthetic, but it was also like, you know, kind of a mission for us to, you know, take the bones of what was there and, and enhance them instead of like just adding more stuff onto this building that had, you know, cause there was like drop ceilings and there was drywall and there was all sorts of different stuff that it just kind of, you know, built up over the years. So we wanted to take that all away and then really work with um, what is there. And, you know, one of the coolest design you know, choices I think we made was cutting out the floor, right? That was exactly what I was going to ask about, yeah. <laughs> and it was born out of necessity, like a lot of things. You know, we were trying to figure out how we wanted to go with a 10-barrel system. And we, we didn't, we didn't want to take floor space away from... Um, from the upstairs because it's already a small space. So we were like, well, what if we put them in, what if we put the tanks in the basement? And it was just too tall. Like we literally couldn't, I mean, first of all, we couldn't get them down there. And even if we did, we couldn't stand them upright. So uh, Billy, who's one of the partners uh, of Youngblood was like, what if we just cut a hole in the floor? <laughs> it was like one of those, like, that's an insane idea. Yeah. And the more we sat with it, the more we thought about it, we talked to the contractor. They were like, yeah, no, that, that could totally work. And um, our tank manufacturer made tanks that stacked on top of each other so that, you know, that way we could do it. And it, uh, you know, instead of it, like, having to work around them, now it's this kind of cool feature that people can, you know, look down into the space while they're, they're having a drink there. Yeah. And, I mean, is there uh, – how much of the actual – uh, production is happening there. I feel like I read somewhere and it might've been early on that you were brewing in the, the lucky yep. brewery, whatever the, um, out on Regent street. Yep, exactly. So we've actually moved over to the new hop house in um, Fitchburg. Uh, they've got a lot of production capabilities there and they're really great people. Not that Lucky's aren't, but you know, it's just uh, worked out a little bit better. So what they do is they do all the hot side production there, which basically means they make the wort. So they make the wort, we take IBC totes, and then we transport it over to King Street. So we do all of the fermentation, all of the um, dry hopping, all of the car you know, carbonation, packaging, everything, all of that is done out of King Street. Um, but we don't have like a boiler or like a mash uh, kettle or lauder tone or anything like that. So all of the hot side um, beer production uh, which is really just one day of it, right? It's basically they they mash everything in, extract the sugars, and then you know that's when we we take it and bring it over to King Street. How big are you guys? Are you a nano brewery, micro brewery? Um, I don't know what the technical. I mean, I think we call ourselves a micro brewery, but I don't know if that's like a. I don't know what the uh, cutoff for a nano is. Probably an annual production thing. So we'll probably end up around six to 700 barrels of beer this year. Um, so I, I, I don't know where that puts us, but uh, I think we, we end up calling ourselves a microbrewery. Is your beer mostly available just at the brewery itself or are you already like bottling, canning, retailing? We're already bottling or canning technically, but it was never meant to be a part of our, our plan. I mean, that's part of this whole 
reevaluation of the business during COVID uh, thing that we're, we're dealing with. We, our plan was to put everything on draft, sell maybe 20% of what we make to bars and restaurants around the area. But obviously, you know, people aren't going out to bars and restaurants as much anymore. And we can only have so many people in our tap room. So we've got beer that would literally just sit in our walk-in for, you know, a couple of weeks. And instead of doing that, we're canning it and getting it out to lick. Because, you know, people are still drinking beer, obviously. <laughs> it's just where they're drinking it. Yeah. So... But we never we never had the plan of of canning anything up, so we're we're kind of cobbling it together. Um, we have a mobile canner that uh, comes in and and cans the beer up for us. We actually keg all of the beer and then we haul it over to Working Draft, and then they mobile can for us out of the Working Draft facility. I mean, it, it's um, and remember that hole we cut in the floor was so cool and everything. All of the kegs come up from downstairs, so it's like you know, nine tons worth of beer that we're bringing up and we have like a little hoist, but it's not, it's not a, it's not an easy process by any means, but you know, it's, it's what you got to do. And, and we've got to figure out where we get cans from. We've figured out labels, you know, all these things just we, that were never part of what we were even going to do. It's where we are now because of, of the way the world is. So yeah. That's, uh, it's weird. <laughs> So I guess I've got like maybe two questions here. First of all, was because you're not the only like smaller, you know, craft kind of brewery that has had to transition into doing a lot more canning stuff. And so were there like, was was there a run on, on cans for, for places? Yep. And then I guess like the larger question is how is COVID kind of messed with, you know, supply chain on just, every other aspect of, of the brewing end of things. Yeah. I mean, the main thing that it's messed with is aluminum. Um, there is a aluminum shortage nationwide right now, um, just because so much is getting packaged and put into aluminum and stuff that would have gone in kegs or would have been sold, you know, directly out of a draft system or something like that. There is definitely a, a shortage. Um, we've been able to work through it thus far. You know, we're not like a big, massive brewery, so our, our needs are not, we don't need truckloads of cans at any given time. So it's pretty easy for people to slice off, you know, pallets here and there for us. Um, but it's, it's yeah, no, it's, it's definitely been a thing that um, we've had to worry about. I mean, even just since we've started buying cans in the last five months, prices have gone up, you know, so, yeah. uh, and we've had people say, you know, you really need to give us uh, a projection on how many cans you're going to need so we can make sure we keep them for you. And we're like, oh, I don't know how do we know. Like, we're brand new. We never know what we're doing when it comes to cans right now. So, like, here's some numbers that, sure, maybe they're right. So that's been the, the main thing. Other than that, supply chain for us, at least, has not really been affected. You know, a lot of the grain and hops and that sort of things you know those come from the agricultural world which has been relatively not necessarily unaffected but it's um you know the, that supply chain can, can remain intact um the other thing that really affected us was equipment like just getting equipment to like uh uh you know install everything's installed now but there was uh you know a grill or something that was coming from overseas and it was just like it's at customs. We don't know how long it's going to be at customs. It could be a week. It could be a month. And so, you know, it's, uh, the contractors really did an 
awesome job of like coordinating all of that. But I know they were pulling their hair out as this thing was unfolding because it was it was you know plants were shutting down. It was you know it was just it was kind of a nightmare. Yeah. How are you guys like handling that now? It's, you know, everything's open and it looks great. And obviously you've been getting great feedback from the beer and the food and everything. But I mean, for the past, like, you know, a few months leading up to opening, I mean, I can't imagine the amount of, you know, stress that's been, you know, going into everything for you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's stressful, but we have a really great team. We've got a great, like, awesome crew of people, a lot of people who I've already worked with in the past. So we all kind of knew each other. Um, that made it um, helpful, but you just, you, you kind of take a little solace in that, you know, everybody's in the same boat, you know, everybody's just trying to figure it out. I mean, every business owner I talk to is just like, we're just, we have no idea what's going to happen. Right. So it's, you know, there's some kind of group anguish that is like somewhat comforting weirdly, but it's not, stressful just for us and and you know we get the chance to exist we get the chance to you know sell products to people you know that that in and of itself is great you know and and as we were kind of pushing towards the finish line you know we really knew that it was a dark time for a lot of people and so hopefully being able to open up and just be like hey we're open this is some mild sense of normalcy or at least something that you can celebrate um, that really kept us going and on track to just, you know, really provide that to people. I mean, at the end of the day, we wanted to open a brewery that had a hospitality bend to it. When you shift from brewery sales to retail sales, that involves distributors and it involves paying for canning. Um, has this exerted a downward pull on your business model that's been kind of frustrating or is it exciting to have to reimagine some things and maybe get your beer into the hands of people in a different way. Totally. I mean, it's, um, both, I think, uh, it's definitely more expensive to package beer than it is to sell it out of your tap system, but you know, it's either that or don't sell it. Right. So you, you kind of adjust and adapt. Um, but the, the cool part about it is I can tell my mom who lives in, you know, um, the Milwaukee area, Hey, you can go buy our beer now at this liquor store. Whereas she would have had to drive up to Madison before to get it. You know, my wife is from Kenosha. So we have a lot of friends and family in the Kenosha area. And we can go, yeah, you can go get it here now. So that's really cool to be able to bring it to more people. You know, again, it's not what we imagined doing when we, when we thought, when we thought about our business plan, but you have to meet people where they are and there's pros and cons to all of it. The, The weird thing is we've actually talked about like once, this kind of goes away, right? And the hope is still that we can eventually go back to normal at some point. Do we keep doing it, right? So it's, if we have the tap room bustling and busy, do we even have enough beer to put out into distribution? And, and you know, we're doing self-distro right now, which is really good for, for us to be able to even do. So we don't get locked into something with a distributor when who knows what's going to happen. Um, but, you know, we're like, do we... Do we keep distributing once, you know, we, we build up all these good relationships and customers over, over a year's time and then we just turn it off. Like that seems kind of silly too. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's causing all sorts of weird downstream effects. <laughs> it's kind of, it's forced you to evolve the, the approach and then when, and if, you know, things go back to normal, it'll be 
how do we transition back? Or is that even going to be in your best interest? Or do you just make more beer? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, who knows? You know, and that's, it's one of the weird unknowns of this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you were talking earlier about the hospitality and how you know necessary, I guess, you know, this new new place is and, you know, opening up for, for people to kind of experience some kind of a, a novelty. The, the places you've worked in the past definitely ha- have a, a pretty solid approach towards hospitality in general. Mm-hmm. What has it been like trying to open a place where, you know, the, the times are just not hospitable? I mean, it's obviously not the ideal way to experience a new brewery restaurant, whether it's I mean, yours or anybody's. Yeah. I mean, where do you see, I guess, you know, the, the experience where it's at right now? I mean, yeah, it's definitely impacted the experience. It's interesting, too, because people are in kind of weird moods, right? I mean, people are edgy, even when they're coming into bars and restaurants. So we we talk about that all the time, just being cognizant of, you know, hey, like, people may be on edge a little bit, like, should think about that when you're when you're yeah. serving them. It's a we're just we're just adapting, I think, right? Like the streetery thing, you know, the patios. That's a great example of like, that's something that never would have been there had this whole thing not happened. We would have had a small patio, but we wouldn't have had this whole kind of big thing with the string lights and like, you know, all of this, all of this stuff because this wasn't part of the city's plan. So, you know, we're hoping that they like extend that and that becomes a permanent part of like our offering to people and that we can do that year round or not year round, but like when, when the, the, the weather is nice. So it impacts how you deliver your product to customers, but it's also just, you know, you just kind of, again, you, you have to meet people where they are and there's really no, there's really no way to do it other than that. So we just kind of try and focus on doing what we can to provide a great experience for people, whatever that experience may look like. This podcast is brought to you by exact sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. I was delighted to be able to see the new Plainspoke Cocktail Lounge, even in its current state, which was mostly empty. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But we did. we, we, We popped up there and we had a cocktail. And I noticed that you have a lot of things on draft. Yeah. And that you're doing some interpretations of some classics. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what you're trying to do in that space and with that program. Totally. So for a while, you know, we were selling products to people, but had no way to really close the loop with customers. So we wanted to open a physical location where people could come and hang out and experience the brand. Um, obviously, the brand is cocktails, you know, and, and ready to drink cocktails, cocktails that, uh, you know, are, are not necessarily made. Yep, exactly. You're drinking one now. Um, and not necessarily made in front of people. So we, we also realized that there's some great cocktail bars already in the city. So what we really wanted to do was say, if we're going to open a cocktail bar, how do we make ourselves different than the places that already exist in the city? Um, so we really focused on uh, draft as a, as a vessel for that. We focused on a playful uh, nature to things, right? I mean, some of the ingredients are, you know, are fancy, if you will, but you know, we we kind of our whole messaging at Plainspoke is is you know 
We're not, a, or, you know, you don't have to go to a fancy cocktail bar to get a cocktail. So if we opened a fancy cocktail bar, it would be kind of weird, right? So yeah, that's why you've got like the slushy, you know, on, on there. You've got a lot of draft cocktails. Even our messaging on our menus are fairly light and kind of cheeky and playful. Um, so what we really want to do from there is, is be playful in nature. Uh, it should be light, it should be airy and reinterpret you know, like if you want a good classic cocktail, go to Merchant, go to the Robin Room, right? They make great classic cocktails. Um, so we didn't want to put just like a Manhattan on the menu. We wanted to put something that had a little bit of a twist on it. So like your last word has cardamom in it, right? I'm just trying to take some of those things and, and twist them a little bit. There's definitely a sense of playfulness both on the menu at Plain Spoke and downstairs at Youngblood. Some of the names... Uh, the cocktails and the beers are, are pretty funny. I really liked uh, Resting Spritz Face. Thank you. <laughs> and those are spritzes that you got in cans. Those are just, have just been in cans really recently, Lucas said. Yeah, yeah. They, we haven't even put any out into distribution yet. It's going out to distribution next week. So they should start, you should start seeing them at stores and liquor, you know, uh, grocery stores and that sort of thing uh, next week. But yeah, I mean, one of the things that I've always really liked about cocktails or at least my approach to cocktails is like, I take what I do really seriously. I take putting the ingredients together, take, take really good care of like what goes into those cocktails and we obsess over the cocktails, but I don't take myself very seriously. I don't take, you know, uh, what we put down on paper very seriously because drinking should be fun and it's like supposed to be an escape and it's you're supposed to smile when you do it. So a lot of the really serious cocktail stuff has always struck me as just kind of off base. So, and, and, you know, even beer to a certain extent can get a little fussy and a little hoity-toity. So we get the, probably the number one thing people react to is the beer names at Youngblood. We get that all the time. Like, oh my God, I love your beer names. And, you know, that was a choice to really not be too serious about it and to have the names even intentionally not mention what the the beers are like we have a beer called i hate craft beer just because you know there's uh there's a guy in uh milwaukee who uh he owns a bar called the mothership and um serves like a ton of hams and uh billy was like yeah i was gonna go talk to ricky but like i don't know he always says that he hates craft beer and you know just wants to serve hams i was like well let's make a beer that tastes like hams and call it i hate craft beer you know and uh that's kind of where that came from because it's just like, you know, it should be fun. It doesn't have to be serious. And uh, there's a lot of things, especially now that people can worry about. So we'd, we'd rather not have our places be part of that. <laughs> yeah. There was a cocktail at the settle down the other night that was called, do you guys have white claw? Yes. Oh my God. I saw that. <laughs> and I love that. I just want to share some of the names uh, that I have here on my handy list. So, uh, we have snot marks and fingerprints, <laughs> yep. uh, which is a farmhouse ale, dry hop with sticky fingers. Alexa play Lil John Radio, which I assume is like turned down for what? Like, uh, so like a lot of these beer names come from just stuff people say, and I'm like, oh, that'd be a good beer name. Um, we were at the distillery, and they were about to get started. There's a lot of like prep to get the canning line ready, and then there's always there's like a Google speaker that they play music on and one of the guys was just like 
Alexa, play Little John Radio. <laughs> and then they started, turned on the canner, and like, you know, Alexa or uh, Little John was playing. I was just like, that's just hilarious. And uh, I also thought it would be really funny if that turned on people's speakers at home when they were talking about the beer. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that I actually have headphones on uh, because I've got a little Alexa thing on my desk and I'm glad I didn't have to, would have to, you know, scrap the, the podcast. Oh, right. now it turned on when I said it. So <laughs> <laughs> we're sorry, everybody at home. Um, so there's a beer that I actually wanted to ask you about. So First of all, I, I do want to mention my favorite, which is She's a Tornado with Pigtails, which is yep. named after Anna, Annabella Joy, who is, is two. Yep, yep. But is it, it's pronounced Oregon, not Oregon, yep. or it's pronounced Oregon, not Oregon? That's, it's dealer's choice. That's kind of the point. <gasps> like, so people are like, we're really, when we put it on draft, people were really scared to, or not scared, but they just were like, I want the, the, beer number five and it's like no you can pronounce it there's no right way to pronounce it as long as you're not saying Oregon not Oregon right I mean it's one or the other it doesn't matter <laughs> so as a sour drinker my favorite was obviously the glitter bug nice and I also have to say I loved we had the the kinkin black is beautiful yep. imperial stout with cherry and sage that's insanely good. It's the middle of summer and we were sitting there drinking an Imperial Stout and I was like, I want more of this. And it's like 85 degrees out in the sun. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. Are you going to be doing more of those kinds of dark beers when the weather gets colder? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Kyle really likes to make beer that is seasonal in nature and he, you know, when the weather turns, you definitely want to drink stuff that's got higher ABV, a little bit darker. So we'll, we'll definitely brew more of those. We've got like an amber ale that's coming out pretty soon. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be doing bigger stuff as the weather kind of turns. Yeah. And you do have, there is an, like another variation on, like the Kin Kin is on tap there, um, but it's also in cans. And then I picked up a four pack of um, the one that has orange in it. And I can't remember what the, the coffee difference is. There's two different versions of it. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we thought, you know, we're in the old uh, building that used to host Ancora. So the first coffee beer we did had to have Ancora coffee in it. And um, we approached them and we approached King Ken about, you know, partnering on the Black is Beautiful beer. And, and both were, you know, super, super down. We also just thought it would be interesting to have, you know, different variations of it instead of just doing one. You know, there's a lot of fun ingredients to use. So we wanted to kind of do a couple of iterations of it. Yeah, and that Kinkin one, I mean, you know, compliments the chef, but that it was one of the most well balanced, like big dark beers. I mean, I, it, it's like what 10 something percent and it doesn't taste it at all. And everything else is just like perfectly balanced. I was, yeah, incredibly satisfied with it. Good. Good. High marks. High marks. Awesome. Thank you. I wanted to ask about the Bill Brasky's ice cream truck. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was really like it was pretty citrus forward. Like it had a lot of those fruit flavors. Can you talk a little bit about how that one's made? Yeah. So um, basically, we took. Um, so Kyle makes um, a lot of hazy IPAs. I mean, that's kind of he's pretty well known for that. Um, and then really likes to add fruit to the beer. Um, so the the Bill Baraski's ice cream truck was. We just wanted to take a hazy IPA and just add tons and tons of tropical fruit to it. So it's got mango, it's got peach, and then it's got pineapple um, puree all added into it. So it's got this big kind of rich body with a lot of, lot of tropical notes. I mean, one of the things you'll notice with all of our beers, though, is it doesn't taste like pineapple juice or it doesn't taste like, you know, like I think 
in this rush to kind of outdo each other's flavors, sometimes you get a beer that's that's fruited and it's like you lose the beer. Like you don't even taste anything of the beer other than just whatever the fruit is. So um, the thing I really like about the Bill Brasky is it's really well balanced and like it's dry hopped with a really fun hop called cashmere and you can still get the hops from it. There's tons of fruit, obviously, but then you, you still know it's an IPA that, that you're drinking. So, yeah. you know, that a lot of the things that, that, that Kyle likes to do are more subtle in nature and, you know, he's probably not going to bang you over the head with any one flavor just because that's just not his style. There's going to be a lot of subtlety and nuance to, to the beers that he puts out there. Yeah. And I also want to go on record and point out when we were um, at like sitting outside on Sunday, I, I discovered that Lindsay does not know who Bill Brasky is. What? So that's, oh my God. yeah, yeah. That was, that was my reaction was what I'm, 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 I'm putting on blast officially. And yeah. To listeners of ours that are maybe uh, too young <laughs> to remember, this was a a you know famous Will Ferrell SNL character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I guess Bill Brasky was was it was a dead person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it's a great sketch for those who are great series of sketches. I mean, there's several, yep. of them. so if you've never seen them, do yourself a favor and watch yeah. Bill Brasky sketch. Yep. Speaking of references that Lindsay doesn't know. <laughs> Solid transition. Chris uh, looked up the reference for y'all's name, uh-huh. and it came from something called Young Guns. What do you mean, something called Young Guns? Young Guns is a movie that I it's honestly, I, I don't think that I've ever actually seen from beginning to end in one sitting, but I've seen like large chunks. It's one of those, I don't know, it was on cable like a million times when I was a kid. But uh, yeah, Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen, yeah, it's a western type thing. So, so Young Guns was kind of the iteration for it. But Young Blood, there's a a, a hockey movie called Young Blood, um, which is a Rob Lowe. It's so like Young Rob Lowe. It's like nineteen. Got to keep it in the Brat Pack. Is the <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, Billy, who's uh, you know again one of the partners, he uh, is a huge hockey nut, like just loves hockey, and he was watching Young Guns. And was just like, Young Guns, that'd be a great name for a brewery. And then he was like, wait, Young Blood? That's an even better name for a brewery. And that's kind of where it came from. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. one thing leads to the nut, to the next kind of in, in his brain. I, actually, a lot of the beer names come from Billy. And I'm just behind him with, with a notepad writing them down. So, yeah. I just think, I mean, it, as long as the the end result is, you know, Warren G and Nate Dogs regulate is the official, you know, Youngblood anthem. Is the, like, <laughs> I know that song. Of all the references that we've been kicking around, regulate is the one that Lindsay knows. <laughs> I think I know all the words, actually. Oh, I, nice. I'm working young. Oh, man. Yeah. For, I mean, if someday we'll get to go do some karaoke and that'll be oh, the time. <laughs> Yes, I am. I'm strictly Cheryl Crow karaoke. Like I have, okay. I have my parameters. Yeah. <laughs> to change gears a little bit, the the food, like the food we had, was delicious. But one of the things in looking at the menu 
is that there isn't any real through line yep. other than just that all these foods are go great with beer, you know, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, you've got elote there, uh, you know, is, you know, chicken and pork that has a very like Asian, you know, kind of touch to it. There's beignets. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a real globe trotting uh, menu. And I was, I was wondering, you know, how much thought went into that. I mean, I'm sure a lot of thought, but you know, if there was any, any one unifying aspect to it that, you know, is out there. Yeah, the, the unifying aspect is you can find it on the street in the country that it's uh, that it originates from. So the idea is, is street food. Mm. Like I think all of us have been lucky enough to travel to some extent. And we all, as we were talking about kind of what food we wanted to do and, and you know, what, what would make sense. I mean, the first thing is it has to go great with beer, right? So that was like the first and foremost thing. Um, the other thing we wanted to do was not do like the typical brewery menu, you know, like chicken wings, sliders, quesadillas, you know, you kind of know what the brewery menu is before you walk in. We didn't want to do that. Um, And then the other thing is, is something that kind of had its own identity and um, was malleable. So we love to travel, you know, we take a lot of inspiration from it. So the, 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 Thing that we talked about with our, our chef Nate, who's who's awesome by the way, just like really really great great kid and like does like amazing amazing things, makes food the right way. We we talked about like wanting to to really emphasize a global nature uh, to the food program and something that had like a, a nod to street food. So you know pretty much all those foods. If you go to you know. Uh, Japan, right? You can find yakitori on the on the street. If you go to Mexico, Mexico City, you can find a lote out there. So um, that was kind of the the thoroughfare for us. Is, is yeah. and and the thing we liked about it was it doesn't lock us in, right? It's not like we're a pizza place or we're a burger place or we're this place or that place. Um, we can do different things with that as our our tapestry. So where can people find you? And not only where can people find you like in person for now, but because that's also a little bit more complicated. Um, But where can people like find your, your beers and your canned cocktails as well? Totally. Totally. So uh, if you're comfortable coming and dining in, our tap rooms are at 110 and 112 King street, literally doors right next to each other. Um, Youngblood has a patio so you can dine outside and drink beer outside. Um, Plainspoke does not, but there's, there's a, decent amount of room to kind of be able to spread out. You're not definitely not packed on top of each other. Um, so that's like right across the street from Majestic. Uh, and then in stores, Plainspoke is pretty widely distributed. You can find us at like all of the pick and saves in Wisconsin. Um, a lot of the independent liquor stores, you know, you can find them at Woodman's, you can find them. We're starting to get into the festivals. So Plainspoke is pretty widely distributed and um, Youngblood is, we just don't have enough products to be that widely distributed yet. So you can find us a lot of the independent uh, liquor stores around town. So like Trixie's, um, Star Liquor carries us, um, all the Steve's carry us. And you can go to both of our websites and just type in your zip code, type in your address, and you can find whatever is closest to you to see where you can get the products. And that website is? Uh, Plainspokecocktails.com and youngbloodbeerco.com. No. And I guess like the one last lingering uh, question, I mean, like, the, so the previous places that you've worked at um, for cocktail programs is Merchant and Lucille. Yep. And uh, do you see yourself working uh, at a place ever eventually, however many years down the line, that's not in that same little, like, like one and a half block area? <laughs> 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 yeah, hopefully. Um, 
you know, it, was, it was really funny because we looked at this was like the last location that we looked at. We looked at a lot of different locations that just didn't work out for whatever reason. And then this location became available. And I was just like, yeah, of course. Like it's, well, it's a great location. Like we love the neighborhood. But then I was just like, I already know everybody who has businesses down here or works down here. This will be this will be pretty easy. Um, you know, I think it's uh, at some point we'll hopefully get away from that corner of the world. I mean, it's a great corner. I mean, like everything. I mean, there's, that is a in, insane conglomeration of amazing restaurants. Yeah. Well, it's weird because you know when I, I left Merchant and Lucille in June of 2019, and then these places opened, you know, about a year later, and I was in Sun Prairie most of that time at the distillery. So it was like kind of weird to be back downtown. There's just like a lot of different things that you don't have access to out in Sun Prairie. I remember the first time I ate lunch down there, I was like, oh my God, there's like good restaurants again down here. And then the freaking world shut down. So it's just like, <laughs> like it's like, damn it. <laughs> it. Yep. Thank um, you so much. No. Yes. Oh, yeah. well, hey, hey, like, one of the things that I was going to like throw in <laughs> again, not quite ready to let go. Um, but it's fine. So, like since like quarantine, things have like opened up since, but I mean, way back when it was like pickup only and you know, all this kind of craziness. What are some of like the, the best meals, I guess that you've had out uh, since, like you said, the world shut down. Well, I mean, I love settle down. You guys mentioned settle down earlier. Um, we're actually working on uh, a beer with them. So hope, I mean, there might be something that you'll see in, in the future. That's exclusive to them. Who knows? We'll see. Um, but those guys are awesome. I mean, I love burgers. I think burgers are probably my favorite food if I had like a gun to my head. Uh, so it's like really easy because they're good people and they make great food. And um, it's nice with the, the patio where you can just kind of spread out a little bit. Um, so that's been really good. Um, the other one that I'm like a sucker for, and it's not even good food. It's just like the location is, you know, the terrace. Like I, I just love the terrace and like, it just feels like such a Madison experience. So we went there the first time last week. It was, um, really nice to just sit on the patio and look out over the lake and like, you know, food's not food, it's terrace food, you know, but it was like such a great experience that just to be back there and kind of um, feel that. So that's, that's been kind of my favorite things the last little bit. Nice. I love that question. Thank you for asking that, Chris. I think we should ask that to everybody who comes on at this point, because now yeah. that people are going back on like out into the world. Like, I had a, a little charcuterie board thing on the patio at Heritage that's all brand new. And we, we went to the patio at Tempest, which felt very like East Coast. And I'm like, oh, there's the rest of the world now. Like it's nope. it's been great. It's been really it's still very new that I, I'm leaving my house regularly, but it feels so great. Yeah. I hope that they're going to keep it. I really, really do, because it just adds such a unique character to downtown or, or really anywhere. And it's, I just, I just think it's such a, it's such a great like innovation that's come out of this. So all of the city leaders that I'm sure are listening to this, <laughs> let's, keep the let's keep people outside. Let's keep well, I mean, you guys are just like a couple doors down from uh, Francesca Hong. So I mean, we'll- <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Well, thank you again, Tom. Thank you for coming and thank you for sharing your time and your energy with us. And thank you for such cool new spots downtown. No, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. It's always fun to talk about the places. So I I really appreciate you guys inviting me on. 
This has been The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. Patrick Christians composed our music. Natalie Yar edits the show. We're dropping episodes every other week, available wherever you get your podcasts. You can check out captimes.com for more food and drink news, including a feature on a new food cart called Sista's Chicken and Fish, as well as a roundup of patios around town. Get them while it's nice out. I'm Lindsay Christians. And I'm Gris Light. I'm about to be camping, so my wish for you this week is s'mores over an open fire. Toasted, not torched. Cheers! Cheers. Here we go. This has been. (laughs) This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.